I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. This breakfast podcast is actually the anti-breakfast podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the worst. We love breakfast. We, we want to talk about it all the time. Um, but we're talking about a time when Jesus chooses to not eat breakfast for 40-ish days, right? And we're in Luke 4. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible and in the story of Luke. So let's just start with thinking about going without breakfast or going without food. Uh, do you have any stories or times where you've had to go without eating? I haven't completely fasted before, but I did the thing where it was no sweets for a while. Um, and the intention wasn't because of health reasons or anything like that. It was for to get a measure of control okay. in life again um, and just to put into practice the the discipline of saying no to things that are fun to eat. Yeah. Did that, how did that work? Did it work for you to pay attention to that? It worked and it was pretty empowering by the end of it. Cause it was one of those things where I felt like it had control over me, um, yeah. to an extent. And I felt like at that point in my life, a lot of things had control over me. So I wanted to pick one thing that I could kind of look in the eyeballs and <laughs> say no to. Yeah. And, and become and sugar, sugar's master. Yeah. It was sugar's master. Now I'm <laughs> have a very, well, not so healthy relationship with sugar still, but I know that I can. It's so delicious. No. It is. Sugar yeah. is so good. It is. It feels like such a dirty trick that it does so much harm to mm -hmm. us. Um, yeah. What about you? I, I can think of like every once in a while I've had to like get a, a medical test or something. So you had to skip breakfast or something like that. Um, I think the longest I went back when I was like doing student ministry stuff, we would do this 40 hour famine thing. Did you ever do one of those? No, I didn't. It's this, it's one of those things that when you look back, you're like, was this a good idea for groups to do together? Cause the idea was that you would, it was like a lock-in, but without any snacks or food. And the idea was to give kids or students like a, a sense of what it was to go hungry. And so I think those sort of 40 hours, that would probably would have been the longest. I think I've been sick where I've not eaten yeah. for several days and where I've gotten the week, like just week from that. Right. I've done that thing. Um, I think when it comes to just fasting, and this is a funny thing in the world of the church, because I feel like it's in scripture a lot, but it's one of those things that hardly ever anybody practices. And also Jesus says all that stuff about not talking about fasting. So the fact that you're not supposed to talk about it kind of gives everybody an excuse to not do it. <laughs> Cause you're like, so nobody's supposed to talk about it. Nobody's ever going to ask me if I do it. Yeah. But I, but here we are, <laughs> here we are. We're breaking all the rules here on the breakfast translation. I one time fasted on purpose uh, for like, a, I was trying to make a big giant decision and I thought, I thought it would at least like focus me. Like, yeah, it, it I've that, heard that as a concept fa fasting for big decisions yeah. and you found it to be, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like to like 
make God tell me, you know, like yeah. it wasn't, there's sometimes people use it as like a political move Okay, where it's like, I'm not going to eat until somebody listens to me. And it wasn't really that it was just like, has a way of saying that I want God to guide me. I'm going to, I think I ended up just skipping breakfast and lunch like that day. Remove this worldly thing. Yeah. And what I did was like I went away to like I went to like a place I had never been in the city and I just paid a bunch of attention to this decision I was trying to make. It was as I was graduating college and I was trying to decide whether to go to seminary or to take this uh, job that seemed really fun and interesting to me. And I was, I was just racked with confusion about it. And I had had I'd like a hadn't slept for months mm. just trying to make this decision. And so by the time I got to this moment of fasting, it really was, it wasn't me trying to like force God's hand to like, tell me it was just me trying to say, I'm, I'm really kind of lost in this and any guidance would be great. And I'm going to try to, it, like you said, it, it does make you pay attention. You know, it puts you in a new place. It's like, it's like that thing where you, all of a sudden you decide to stand on a chair and see if the room <laughs> looks different. And it usually does. Yeah. And it always does. And it, this was kind of that way of like, I just want to stand on the chair and see if it looks different from a, from a different place. Um, and I have to say in that one situation, I had clarity. Yeah. Like by the end of that day, I had clarity about what to do. Uh, and I, I try to be careful telling that story because I don't think it always works that way. And you're like, and this is the formula <laughs> yeah. and this, no, there's a million things yeah. that add up to what is right for each individual. Right. I can't ever tell any, I don't ever want to tell even people listening today. I don't want to say like, if you skip two meals, God will tell you what to do. I can only say that on that day, can you imagine I skipped two meals and God kind of showed me what to do, but it was after months of struggle, you know, and it, I think there's something to like fasting makes us pay attention to the ways that we are slaves to habits and the ways that we do find comfort in all those little things that we do throughout the day to give us an illusion of control. And so there's something to dropping that. Um, and so I think we maybe the more we practice that, the more we get at least a little taste of what's happening here as Jesus spends these 40 days in the desert. Because the rest of Luke 4 is about Jesus taking on this giant mission. And so he goes immediately from the desert to the temple. And in my favorite story, gets up in front of the Jewish community of faith and says, <laughs> let me tell you a few great stories about Gentiles. You know, and he really shakes up their perception of God's favor uh, and what God honors and what God loves by saying these people you think God doesn't care about. There's actually been a few of them that God has done really beautiful things through. Um, but to get to that moment where he's ready to take on this giant thing, he has to go for 40 days. Um, and it's worth noting that he's not alone in the desert because who's there with him? The devil. The devil. That's right. You got to find like a devil voice, like our, our in, in a world where <laughs> the, devil the devil can show up for breakfast. Um, yeah, we don't. I, I think the funny thing about funny thing about the devil, <laughs> it's a weird sentence to say. But Tell me. <laughs> the funniest thing about that devil, uh, a strange thing about the devil is how much energy some church traditions spend talking about the devil versus how much ink the devil actually gets in scripture because it's not much. 
compared to how much credit we give the devil for doing bad things. Oh, yeah. We know who he is. Yeah. He's not really a major player in the story of scripture. It's kind of this undercurrent. I think that's why I really appreciate um, C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters because he tries to be sort of careful with how much power we give uh, to this other entity. Um, one of my favorite ways, like a thing I kind of remind myself of when references to a, a Satan or a devil kind of show up in the Bible is to remind myself that that means the accuser, that it's a voice of accusation mm. um, and shame and that it's a divider. And so however much power this figure has, that power is always used to accuse. And so I love uh, if you're if you're trying to understand Luke four better um, or if you're trying to understand how to lead and be a person like Jesus in the world. Uh, one of my favorite resources on this chapter uh, is uh, Henri Nouwen, which I think has an American. I want to say Henry, but I've, all, I've only heard people say Henri. Henri. Henri Nouwen has a book called In the Name of Jesus, where he says that the the temptation to Jesus here is to be relevant to be spectacular and to be powerful and that that's what Jesus rejects in the desert. Oof. Yeah. Cause I think I would like to be several. I want to at least be relevant. That's a big I, yeah. one to me. Um, but he says, you know, that, that thing that the accuser tries to get Jesus to make bread out of stones. He says, that's the temptation to be relevant to like show people that you can make something they really need. Right. Um, dig down into that. That's pretty deep. I've said the words that I want to be spectacular out loud, like <laughs> three times in the past month. <laughs> as embarrassing as that is to okay. say out loud, but we'll, that's good. We'll that's talk good about to that. see. We'll talk about that more off mic. Um, but I think, you know, that's a huge thing uh, for people, but also for the church, right? Is we think we have to be spectacular to get the world's attention. And he's saying that about the the, the temptation that the devil offers Jesus to like, if you jump off the building and angels catch you, right. That's a spectacle. Um, and sometimes I think, especially American churches have felt like we have to be spectacular. We have to do things that, that get everybody shook. Um, and then to be powerful, right. To like have the kingdoms of the world bow to you is the temptation that the devil offers. So from this story, do you get any sense of what the devil eats for breakfast? <laughs> I mean, that's the gist of our podcast, right? We have Jesus here skipping breakfast I for know. 40 some days in a row. I forgot that this was part of it. What is it? That's the whole thing. <laughs> but what would the devil eat for breakfast? What would the Other devil eat? Children's tears, I guess. Yeah. Fire. Um, I don't, do you have any ideas? I mean, this is, I, I don't, we have, we have talked about this before in our friendship, but it's the Bloody Mary. Oh, shoot. <laughs> a point of controversy. Between the it two is of a us. point of controversy. Not just because I think that the devil is a boozer, that he would really enjoy booze in the morning, but it's that the, the drink of the Bloody Mary is so confusing to me mm. because people put food in it. Yes. It is a drink that people then add vegetables to. It's the best of everything. Sometimes they put meat in it. Like I've seen, like I've seen restaurants that have like a Bloody Mary buffet where you can stick bacon in your drink. Yes. Amen. And I'm just going to say <laughs> that that reminds me of the devil <laughs> because it, there's no framework. 
which I can understand like the chaos. Yeah. The, it just yeah. feels like chaotic to me. It feels like the spirit of Satan is to divide and accuse and, and separate. That's what the bloody Mary that's loaded with food parts. Cause I like to think of my foods and my drinks as separate entities. Okay. And but the devil does not. I think the milkshake is the only time where I make some allowance for a drink to be, to have more substance to it. Because it's ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with not just a Bloody Mary, but like a loaded one. Yeah. With like s- bits of bacon and kebabs. Sign me up. Stick. <laughs> You're the devil. You're <laughs> on board with the devil's breakfast. I'm on board. I'm, I'm on board with the devil's breakfast. <laughs> okay. Now that's good to know. Let, and, let, um, that, let that be. Let that inform you know. your, your Apple reviews of our podcast is that one of the hosts likes the devil's breakfast. Speaking of which, people should give us Apple reviews if they like it. Yeah. If they like what they're hearing in their ears, they should tell the internet because it, it does help algorithms. It helps people find, um, <laughs> I don't know what our category is, but if our category is like weird Bible podcast, we need more people who like weird Bible co- podcasts genre. to be able to find us. So you can help them by writing a review saying at least one of the hosts doesn't eat the devil's <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> okay. So Jesus has this season where he, he resists these temptations. Um, and really this empowers him, right? It empowers him to go to the temple, to fire people up, to say difficult things in the crowd, to draw out this prophecy from Isaiah, uh, about his mission to bring good news to the poor, uh, to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free, right? These are earth shaking things. And in a sense, as you're reading it, like I get that feeling like Satan offers him all these cheap, easy ways to do this stuff. And he says, no, I'm going to go do this, the difficult way. And I'm going to do it like uh, one person held captive at a time. I'm just going to slowly release folks from uh, the bondage and the division and the accusation that they feel. And so he goes on to do this, this crazy difficult thing in the rest of the, of the chapter. But the moment in the desert is just the precursor to that. It's just the opening. It's the first struggle of many. Um, when you have to do something difficult, is there anything you do to like get yourself ready for that? Yes. I, I, a good question. I do the pump up music thing. I think it's okay. a popular route for a lot of people. And in particular, my number one song before racing is always, um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Okay. And it has been since I was in like seventh grade. Okay. Uh-huh. It gets me, gets me ready to run fast. That's so interesting. Cause there's nothing in that, that is particularly motivating. I, what do you mean? Well, cause like, <laughs> so my go-to like pump, cause I would say the same thing. Like I would pick a theme song, but for me, it would be like, it would be like a Beyonce song with where words are telling you to do something text great is you're amazing and the world doesn't deserve you. But Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he pulled up. He's telling his story. Uh I mean. He's like, whoa, I'm rich now. Most of the kingdom is finally there. You know, I mean, I guess it. I don't know what feels good about it, but it it started a long time ago and it maintains it. Okay. I mean, whatever works because you do run really fast. So uh, (laughs) thank you, Will Smith. 
Have you ever heard of, so this is a thing that people do sometimes when they have something difficult ahead, but it's, it's not, it's not the Jesus method. Okay. Uh, but it's the power poses. Oh, I'm familiar. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever like snuck away to the bathroom to do some power poses? Always in the bathroom. Yeah. I will. I stand in the stall, hands either on my hips or just raised above right. in glory. I, I do the thing and I like the way it feels in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. It, I think it got popular. There's, I think it, think it's in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. It's in an episode of something. Yeah. And where maybe Meredith goes into the bathroom before she has to do a surgery or something. And the idea of it is that you kind of make yourself larger. Right. Right. And you, you almost em embrace the possibility of who you are so that you don't go into a room and, and show up too small. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't, that doesn't totally work for me, but I do like the idea of preparation, you know, um, I can't remember what the Japanese word is. I, I always want to think about it, but there's this principle in, um, Japanese culture of margin of like having space in public areas and space on your calendar where you, you sit still before you do anything. So it's this idea of, I think margin is maybe the closest we have to it in like American language, but it's a little bit bigger idea of that. It's like space so that you make sure you, you show up to the meeting early and you, I think if has a, has a Jesus person where you, you pray or you'd get quiet. Um, but it's that idea of like getting yourself somewhere before the thing of leaving room in your life to like be out in the desert for a while, facing the truth before you face the temple and you face the crowds. Cause it's not going to go well for Jesus in the temple. He gets to a point here where it says they want to throw him off a cliff. Right. So if you're going into a situation where one of the possible results is that you get thrown off a cliff, you gotta, gotta prepare for that. Mm -hmm. And so I think for folks reading along with us, uh, paying attention to the breakfast in this story at least leads us to this idea that Jesus himself had to prepare for the difficult things. Um, and that in order to face the fury of the crowd and the difficult meeting, he himself had to get ready. And so maybe there's something in our world uh, that we need to like leave room for getting ready. Maybe it, maybe it is fasting. Maybe it is. I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe it's <laughs> skipping breakfast or maybe it's eating breakfast in a different way, right? Like eating breakfast in a way that gives you room to get ready for the day ahead. Um, and maybe it just means like that entering that desert space of demands your attention. Um, so that was a lot about, uh, like life that just starts with this simple story that I think we, when we first read this story of Jesus going into a desert for 40 days and, and going into a temple and quoting Isaiah, like maybe we think when we first read it, that's not the world I'm living in. But uh, what I kind of like about these conversations that we try to get it, like it actually is a world we live in. Like all the time we have to get ourselves ready for, for confrontation or conflict or, um, consolation even. So that's the breakfast translation. And if you like us, review us. If you think that we, um, are more like the devil than Jesus, don't tell anybody on the internet. 
Just, Let them find out themselves. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on The Breakfast Translation. Look and dust.